Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Bar Down Breakdown, episode 245, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, and we're hanging with a repeat guest, our buddy Nick Gambarian from Bayside, probably hey. the most uh, episodes uh, we've had with a single guest. I, I think really? this is number three, <laughs> and I think that is now taking the lead i could be wrong <laughs> that's but, good i had to hit you up i'm like all right it's time i'm back on yeah i love <laughs> it i'm i'm super excited to talk some rangers and islanders we mm-hmm. got the stadium series coming up yeah and new music from bayside new tour coming up so there's mm-hmm. plenty to chat but i guess let's just start right away with uh how's it being uncle nick <laughs> it's great it, it's all been a surprise when my my sister I, like we had kind of both kind of like winking a nod like yeah we're not really having kids she's she's much more like career oriented like in the last five years she's gotten married become a dentist and now had a kid and uh, you know the dentist thing just seemed like a real to me like oh you're gonna be busy you know but i think that everyone was just surprised and it's been great you know it's 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 real cool it seems like i just spent some time in uh in deer park i know you just mentioned that's where your mom lives and that's where my whole family lives too and uh i was just there for five days and yeah the energy in the house is great the <laughs> mom and you know i'm just doing the whole thing where i call my parents grandma and grandpa now and then my sister and brother-in-law are mom and dad so um yeah i was like mom and dad are tired all the time you know the baby's <laughs> a month old yesterday or two days ago so it's just doing it's just crying eating and pooping you know like that's pretty much it but uh it's, it's cool it's it's a little i keep saying this part about it which you know, it's all new for me. So this might be totally everyone goes through this, but I, I'm nine years older than my sister. So I remember her as a newborn. I remember holding her and now I'm holding her son. And I'm like, this is an exact clone. This is an exact clone of you. Like it is insane deja vu to be holding your son, which is cool, but it looks exactly like you. And that's insane. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it, it's it's cool being an uncle. I, I started as an uncle and now I'm a dad and it, it's 
like especially now that my nephew is older i could be the cool uncle yeah and like <laughs> i i will i will not be like the cool dad i kind of want to be just a, a strict kind of yeah yeah you know bad cop where my my <laughs> wife is probably going to be the good cop but yeah with with nephews and nieces you can kind of just let your hair down and just yeah and do what you want posts which is you know unfortunate and that was a whole like existential thing when i even found out that she was she was pregnant i was like i don't want to be the distant uncle but life is just so it pulls me in both ways because anytime like i live in southern california i love it everywhere else like pears and pals in comparison to me and i'm like i can't ever leave there but now i have this thing like constantly pulling me back home where i'm like all right when's the next trip home you know like i i talk to my family almost every day like all this stuff and now it's just like constant baby pictures and all this stuff and i'm like okay like this is great and uh you know hopefully in a couple you know in a couple of months he, he's just gonna he's already growing you know so mm -hmm. uh in a couple of months he'll he'll start to uh be a little bit more active and then hopefully i could go back and just start being more and more a part of his life love that so if i'm not mistaken it was your uncle that got you hooked on the rangers right yeah yeah i so was now just, you got now it's your job well i already bought him so i went to that rangers game last wednesday um and bought him some onesies Mm -hmm. I had previously already bought him a Star Wars onesie, which I don't have to necessarily be the Star Wars uncle because his father loves Star Wars. My sister uh, loves Disney. So they have everything Star Wars, Mickey Mouse figured out. But I was excited. It occurred to me in this this way where I'm like, I'm buying him these onesies and I'm like, you know what? In like five years, I could bring him to a Rangers game. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like that'll, that that's something that I'm like... Yeah, give the give his parents the night off. I'm taking him to, to MSG or something, you know. <laughs> so that kind of got me excited. Yeah, it's a blast. So I guess you know, since we're we're talking some Rangers, um, any day now the Islanders and Rangers are facing off in in the Stadium Series game. Yeah, thoughts on the Stadium Series like as a whole. Um, I, I think I have slightly a new perspective on it because I went with uh, Hammer from Violent Gentleman um, to the Winter Classic, uh, th this past Winter Classic in Seattle. And, you know, it always, it always looks good on TV. And then when you're there, it's like the sight lines are bad. It's freezing out. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. But I was like, there's no way I'm doing that again unless the Rangers are in it. And even I'm looking at ticket prices in Stadium Series. Like, it's not sold out. The ticket prices are pretty cheap if you're, like, up in the boonies. And it's like, I still don't know if I would do it because you have to get to Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. I, at this point, too, so far removed from Rangers fans that, like, you know, Islanders fans have been the bane of my existence my whole life. But now I don't think <laughs> Rangers fans either. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. I want to be in a full-on stadium with, like, more of them than ever. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to do it. And then I'm out there and, like, the Islanders won. I'd be like, oh, my God, I, I, I can't deal with this. So uh, I don't know. It looks cool. I'd rather watch it on TV. I love the jerseys. Like, I think the Isles are going to look a lot better than, like, just the jersey i'm hoping anyway um because the jersey was a little like lackluster again I, we were talking before we went live i'm like my my general train of thought with jersey design and logo design is i am very rudimentary with design 
And if I feel like I could make the design, then it's not good enough. So I, I wish just in general, all sports teams would get a little bit more, like have a little bit more fun with their jerseys. And that Isles one is like, not only do I think I could have made that, I think I could have made that on my iPhone. <laughs> uh, Rangers one, I was surprised though. You know, it's like somehow toes that line of like fully simplistic and classic, classic, but also has this element of, uh, I don't know, like just it, it looks more fashionable than I thought it would. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, once again, I feel like the Islanders get shafted with getting the stadium series because, you know, you guys have played what two winter classics and two stadium yeah. series was it two stadium i know one well, this will for be the sure. second one, well this one yeah, yeah 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 so like the islanders just keep getting the stadium series and regionally it seems like it's a big deal but outside of the new york market no one's gonna care or tune in yeah that. so like i i really want the islanders to get their own winter classic and at their own site because like first of all the, the first one was at Yankee Stadium. Everyone knows that Islander fans are typically Met fans. So, like, that's not really our home ground. And then MetLife Stadium, same thing. That That is a pain in the butt to get to from Long Island. Pain in the butt. So, yeah, I, can, I can't imagine. I mean, at this point, too, I don't even, like, MSG is, like, from Deer Park is an hour and 15-minute train ride. I'm like, oh, at least it's a straight shot. But, yeah, I couldn't imagine getting to Penn and then needing to travel across the river still. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think with the Belmont stakes grounds expanding, that could be a cool spot to have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So hopefully that happens. Yeah. I, I learned a little bit. I don't know if this is like totally out in the public, like info, but um, the, the winter classic for whatever reason, like uh, the the home team has to give up a home team's worth, like a home game's worth of revenue. So a lot of teams just don't want to do it. That's why you see the Blackhawks do it so much, is because I think that they're 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 a well off organization and they're constantly looking for you know you know marketing of Taves and Kane back in the day and now Bedard. So I think that there's just some teams who probably can't afford to give up like one. 42nd of their like home revenue so yeah. that, that i don't know if the islanders would be in that position but that might be a reason too yeah i heard something weird with like even where this game is played for the rangers like part of the reason why they picked metlife was because of that yeah it makes sense. or something like that yeah it's not it doesn't seem like it's going to be sold out but it will be you know double at least double the amount of people at the game that they normally would be at msg true that yeah and you, you mentioned the the jerseys and i totally agree that the islanders one was underwhelming i think it might look better on the ice because they 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 had, always do uh, they had the the helmets on today mm -hmm. at practice and it has like a bigger new york than normal yeah. mm -hmm. it looked kind of cool yeah um the goalie masks are very traditional looking mm -hmm. for for the stadiums here so do you know what color pants they're wearing that always has to like whenever jerseys get released and people start like talking shit it's like you got to see the whole kit because it really does pull it together a lot with the socks and the pants and stuff mm -hmm. i don't believe they were orange i feel like if they were orange i would have seen more people coming out about it all i was really seeing people talking about today was the helmets and i feel like they're probably just going to be 
the traditional navy blue the, to match the, the yeah, jersey. Yeah. But yeah. an orange pant would be sweet. Like, yeah, that could be they, cool... they should do something like that, like orange glove, orange pant. So just it's on TV. It looks so good on TV. Yeah. Might as well just just have fun with it. But do you remember who our GM is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's not all about having fun. Yeah. Um, other other than the, the stadium series, you must be pretty happy about how the, the Rangers season's playing out so far. Yeah, it's the weirdest season. I, I, I've been watching them for over 30 years, and it's like they were world beaters. They were like 18 and four to start the season and were beating the Bruins and the Canucks and went like four and zero on a West coast trip. And then from like early December on, they were under 500. I'm like, what is you just stop playing? So <laughs> they've won a couple in a row now and they're not even necessarily like convincing wins. Um, so I don't know what kind of team they are. Blake Wheeler went down today, which is like kind of a blessing. If you ask me, like he hasn't really, even at like eight hundred something thousand dollars this year, he's just not. He can't really fit in anywhere on the team anymore. So he looked like he had a pretty bad uh, like leg injury in this game. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what kind of team they are. Jonathan Quick's been great. Shosturkin's been mm-hmm. like lackluster for more than this season. Like he really didn't have that great of a season last year either. Um, the young guys are like slowly progressing. Zabinajad apparently he had a he had a kid and has screwed up his life because he's been like our number one center just missing so i don't know the team's very confusing because i don't know how you start 18 and four and then play under 500 for like seven weeks after that um so i just it's if anything the only thing i could say is it's confusing i don't know i don't know what type of team they are I'm right there We're leading the there. division though. <laughs> yeah, that they would they played under 500 hockey for like <laughs> like if you think about the first half of the season they played a quarter of the season under 500 and were still yeah. in first place. Crazy. And there's there's still like 6 7 points yeah, above yeah. uh the Canes right now yeah, too which is exactly. insane. Considering how the Canes were the past three seasons yeah yeah and they, they've been coming on too so it was it's really i mean i guess the canes didn't start great so they had a lot of catching up to do which mm-hmm. they got within like i think you said like six points or so but now yeah. the rangers just won four or five in a row um so you know that's not going to help the canes at all but um but yeah i don't know i i really i'm interested to see what's going on with the trading deadline because it's like not very plentiful out there and like i don't know that they should be giving up like a first round pick for adam henrique or any rental really you know but that's what they need they need right wingers they need centers i mean if wheeler went down today like they have one natural right winger on the team and that's uh capo caco you know and he's uh like out of Lafreniere and caco like caco might be like the biggest bust because i, I just don't see that dude improving much at all like he could he could hold on to the puck and like work his way around the the offensive zone but he still looks like he hasn't caught up to the speed of the nhl lafreniere has lafreniere's you know even if he improves 10 points every season at least he's improving like kako's regressed a lot he had an injury this year but he's like regressed he's just he gets the puck and holds on to it way too long and a defenseman just skates up to him and takes the puck away. It's like, dude, it's the NHL. You have to be quicker. And I just don't see him improving. It sounds like Michael Dalcole all over again. 
Yeah. <laughs> he was such a bust for the Islanders. Um, I'm I'm really just waiting for the Flyers and the Red Wings to kind of come back to the team that we thought they would be yeah. just kind of fall off a little. Yeah, but yeah. they're still sticking around surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flyers are typical Tortorella, you know, like to all those Tortorella Ranger years where they weren't the most talented. They were first in the league, first in the division, whatever, because you just don't play like that. Like teams don't play like that in the regular season. Like Tortorella teams play like you're in the playoffs from game one. And a lot of teams don't play that way. So they're going to win games. Like, you know, they, they obviously Carter Hart's off the team. Like they have to fall off at some point. Cause you can't like, you just can't play that way. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's too taxing on people. I'm just waiting for that day so that the Islanders can pop back into into a spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the they haven't really like. I think it's been better with Wah, right? But it hasn't been great. No, honestly, it hasn't like made a huge difference. The only thing is that it seems like some of the players are willing to play for like his system. Yeah. Like, you know, Barzy seems a lot happier, and he's holding on to the puck longer. Yeah, yeah. and that's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they they had this shootout loss the other night, and Anders Lee is coming out and saying like, "Hey, you know, at least we got the point." And it's like, what? Like, no fan wants to hear that. Like, yeah, yeah. That, it was a bad game, and and that's that's your response. So you guys lost of, by three to the Flames, like the game before. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been like you know a total transformation with yeah. with Wa. So we'll we'll see, but. Yeah, I think the writing has been on the wall. Like, there's a lot of older players who are under a like pretty. They have a lot more term left on their contract, and it's. It, I think Lou getting rid of Lane that early was like kind of Lou looking after himself for putting together kind of a not that great team, you know. Yeah, and and that's that's uh, that's scary. Yeah, we got like Engvall locked up for six more years. It's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> the guy is the longest neck yeah. too. You can't really tell it on TV, but I yeah. went to the the game in in Raleigh. And I was like, what is wrong with this dude's neck? It's like double the size of a normal neck. It's just super long, and he he's That's fast, great. but he he just yeah. he's he's not not an NHL yeah like I don't player. Like I just don't, um, I don't see why you would lock up a third, a bottom six person for that long. Like bottom six mm-hmm. people are, you know, two, three years at the most. You know, more so, like even one year because they're yeah. sort of interchangeable. I don't know why you would lock someone up like that. And I mean, he's not super young, right? No, no. So. I, I think it was just, you know, Luke. Luke does this where he'll bring in all his former devils and now he'll bring in all his former make me believes. And that's just the way he operates. He, he, he likes to bring players back that he had on his old teams. I'm, I'm a little over Lou Lamorello to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think in this day in all sports, I feel like you have to, I know that the blue jackets got rid of Kekaline and today it's like, that should have happened like two or three years ago, you know, like I, I, I feel like the turnover for things should is starting to get quicker. Um, so I bet you, I bet you lose feeling heat. I mean, he's been there long enough and, yeah. and 
the results are like going backwards. They're not really <laughs> not improving. I totally agree, man. Totally agree. But I, I guess let's let's make the the shift to to some uh, Bayside talk because yeah, Castaway yeah. came out what two weeks ago, week and a half ago. Uh, yeah, probably two or three I'm so weeks. Bad, I'm so bad with time, but oh, I know it I'm, just yeah. came out. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's a heater, man. It's got like <laughs> just the real Bayside vibes that you're always looking for, and mm-hmm. you guys are so consistent with like staying true to to who you guys are as a band. Mm-hmm. And it, it I, I can't imagine a Bayside fan not absolutely loving it. And yeah, as you can see, it's already crept into your top five, which is hard to do when you have such so a, many heaters, yeah, yeah, such yeah. an extensive catalog. <laughs> like, yeah, making it on there is a, a huge accomplishment. So I'm assuming response has been great and everyone's happy. Yeah, on the Bayside team. Yeah, I mean, things are. I mean, starting in 2019, we kind of just had a. a kind of just to talk about like what kind of record we were putting out which wound up being in tarot bang and i feel like that was the beginning of us being more comfortable writing heavier songs because i think that for our, from 2000 to 2019 or so we were kind of leaning more into the idea that like writing a rock song with like pop sensibilities was going to get us to uh, you know where we wanted to be we like especially with like the the emo like 2004 to 2010 era that we were like parallel to um we were trying to be like okay well if paramore's doing this and follow boys doing this like let's do this you know like let's write a a more poppy song and it's just never what our fans wanted you know like we've released so many like pop ish punk singles and they all like flopped you know like maybe duality is the only one i could say was like released as a single that is more poppy that our fans really liked but there's been like three or four singles that were just straight up pop punk that our fans were like now we're good and they like the darker stuff the heavier stuff and Mm -hmm. in 2019 we were just like let's lean into that more we have jack who loves metal you know like we we do have um, uh like more metal and and i wouldn't say hardcore but like just heavier influences that were then we let on because i think for a majority of our career we thought writing like poppier stuff was going to equal more um you know more album sales or popularity whatever and like it had just varying degrees of success but then we just we'd been taking into consideration our our fan base like we always have and our fan base has grown with us we have people who have been listening to us for 20 years who were 15 and they're 35 now and they're bringing their kids to the shows you know it's like Mm -hmm. the best thing in the world um and you you just kind of see what they've gravitated to and we knew it was darker and heavier and more aggressive and in 2019 we started writing like that and we really have just been like honing that in since then because we've gotten more aggressive more heavy faster um and it's it's been going great i mean our our fans definitely love the direction which is awesome um and you know it's a lot of things 
everything that like kind of in the music industry that has changed we've had to we've had to pivot like an exponential amount of times just to stay afloat in the music industry like when we started it was napster and limewire and then no one was buying cds unless they were five or seven dollars and then then people wanted to buy vinyl again then you know whatever 15 years or so people started streaming music and we're like all right now what so back then we would care about if we were getting any radio play which was like few and far between and now we're worrying about if we're on playlists because that really does like like editorial and algorithmic playlists on spotify and apple music equate to like 40 something percent of our streams so people Mm -hmm. are like potentially finding out about us for the first time if we're on certain playlists and and like you could see those analytics now because of of spotify yeah spotify just showing you the the here's 21 percent of your streams this month came from algorithmic playlists we're like okay cool like if some of those people stick around then then maybe we made a new fan or we sold a ticket or we sold a shirt so it's um it's it's certainly interesting you know like like i said 20 years ago we were worrying if we could get on the radio and now we're worrying if we could get on playlists so it's 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 interesting but the whole process of of like you the to use your word writing heaters it's like it's more fun we know they're going to be good live um and we're kind of just trying to build in to our songs uh like kind of surprising moments you know like there we we do have things that we write where we're like what would be like messed up to hear right now you know not in a bad way but like in a surprising way to a bayside fan and, and we have a song coming out soon where i think people are going to be like what, like is this bayside what is this and then and then the bayside song starts so yeah. uh it's 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 cool it's it's definitely fun and we we also um i know i've been talking for way too long right now but we also for the yeah. last year and a half have been releasing songs differently like we did uh we released six singles i guess seven now um and we released the first three on an ep the second three on an ep and now uh castaway and the next few will all live on one album so there's yeah so that that's been the plan for a year and a half and it's worked great like it's forced us to write better songs because every single song was going to get heard on its own um so because they we they were all released as singles so we released seven singles on an album which you would never do if we were if we released in tarot bang you know and when we did we got three maybe four singles out of it like so far we've written seven singles and coming up soon we'll have an eighth one and it's just it's just people listen differently now so it's easier to give them one song like and two or three weeks later a month later whatever it is they get another song they get to spend more time focused on the one song instead of here's 10 songs and two weeks later they're like listening to a different record already because someone else yeah. took their attention so it's uh again we're, we've we've had to pivot a million times and and uh in the last 20 um four years really um and this is just another way that we like experimented with how we release music and it's really worked there's still people out there who are like what are you doing an album when you're doing an album I'm like well we have been you know like we it's have been coming out slower yeah and and whether you like it or not like you get to focus on one song at a time which is good in i think this era of 
of music. Everyone's fully distracted. They have so many different forms of entertainment at their fingertips mm-hmm. all the time. Like it, it's just better if we write better songs, first of all, which I think we're writing the best music we ever have. Um, and then let you focus on it, you know, like yeah. listen to that song for two weeks instead of listening to 10 songs. And by the time you get to track seven, you're like getting out of your car and you're going to work or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and like you don't get to listen to the second half of the, the record. So, uh, yeah, I mean, things are good, thankfully. It's funny, like I, that you talk about that, too, because I remember I'm going to age myself here. You know, when Killing Time came out, I found out that Killing Time was out because 666 was on like my three month subscription of XM radio that I got on my <laughs> nice. car. Yeah, I yeah. just purchased it. And I remember like listening to it there for the first time and being like, holy shit, like this is a band that I listened to that was never on the radio before. And they're just on this radio station here. Like this is like the satellite radio is the future of everything in 2011. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then a year, a year later I was on Spotify. Yeah. That killing time specifically, like that's the one we did four records, our first four records on victory records. We did one, we did killing time on wind up records mm-hmm. and then everything else after that has been hopeless. So that was wind up was like this sort of anomaly of a label where technically they were an independent label, but they also had like Creed and Evanescence on there. So they had like radio relationships. So that up until that point, that was like the one album that we actually got a little bit of a radio push and saw that we were getting more songs on the radio and stuff like that. Um, And then that all kind of went away. (laughs) Now, you kind of mentioned how you've pivoted so many times. And would you say that that's like the recipe for your success? Because like, let's just like pat you on the back. A band being around for 24 years is like unheard of kind of at this point. Like it's consecutive, 24 consecutive years. (laughs) Yeah, no hiatus. And and for the the most part, you know, and I don't want to like mention the accident, but like for the most part, the same lineup like yeah yeah it's all you guys difficult yeah <laughs> so like that that's something to be super proud of but yeah you know what can you say is the the real driving factor that kept you guys around for so long i mean i think i mean it's it's definitely the the adapting that has to, that has had to happen i mean you mentioned like sonically being consistent i think that when I get really like analytical and like, I don't know if existential pertaining to Bayside is like the right way to put it. But like, I think that we've, we're, we're a successful band, but I don't think that people know how much more successful our contemporaries are. You know, like, I, I think that like, if you, a Bayside fan also listens to a Data Remember, they might think that we're the same size. I'm like, no, Data Remember is like 10 times bigger than us, you know? So I'm like, I think that we always kind of had the carrot dangling in front of us because we needed to. Like, I think we always needed to do the next tour to survive. And we always needed to do the next album to survive. It was never, hey, we made it and let's experiment on the next record or hey we made it and like we're not going to tour for two years it's like no we needed to constantly work and i think that really has been like a a driving factor for us is that we just never really felt comfortable like i i don't know that we until 
I, I mean, I go back to Interrobang and I feel like we had a lot of hope for that record and, and the pandemic kind of stunted that a little bit. But really, when we went on tour again in 2021, I'm like, we've never felt more stable in our career. And but that's also saying 21 years into our career is when we found stability, like we, we where we maybe we could take I mean, we basically do one big tour a year now, you know, and like before that we were really piecing the year together and playing way more shows. And um, I, I just think we've kind of always had to work. And that's like a weird uh, thing for a lot of bands that either they don't want to do it or like maybe individually they can't do it because of their personal lives. Um, we've just always made it work. And, and somehow, I mean, we we just feel lucky that like our fans have gone nowhere. We've only made more fans over the last, you know, uh, you know, I, I mean, whatever, our whole career, we've always, every tour has always been bigger than the last, every record's like been better than the last. Um, so I think our fans see that. I think that they see that we haven't like put out a record that they didn't like, you know, like, or at least there's some redeeming songs on a record. If they don't like it as a whole, they know that the two or three we play, they like um so I, I don't know i think it's a good like we have a good rapport with with our fans um and yeah i mean i attribute our longevity and consistency is <laughs> this sounds funny but to not being that successful like we we always have to work you know and i know we have a level of success but like now we're talking about being i think chris is the only person not in his 40s you know it's like now we're talking about like Bad Religion's still on tour and they're pushing 60. It's like, is that us? You know, I'm pretty sure that's us, you know, like like health permitting where we still have to tour for another 20 years. So it's like, okay, we have to figure out what that looks like now. So uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. And that's all just like me spending time thinking about our career, like what makes us go. And I'm like, it's probably because we always had to go. We, we yeah. could not sit home and do nothing. Like it just would be impossible. Yeah, but you know the the fact that your your fans just have stuck around all of these years, and like you mentioned, are now bringing their kids out to shows, and and that's how you just become a generational band. Right? Yeah, like, makes me so happy. And I, I saw it kind of uh, at Four Chord Music Festival, uh, Mest played, and Mest was like that early two thousands, well, probably even before that, punk or pop punk wave. And there were so many families watching Mest. It was like the coolest thing to see. Yeah. And and that's got to be just a totally different dynamic of a show. It's like more of a, a family at this point. We're like your fans have literally been with you guys for 24 years. And it's a totally different show than, you know, even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's nothing that we like, we, it's consistent now, which is awesome. We see it every night, but it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. And I don't know if that's, that's, I mean, if people are bringing their kids who are like five and six to shows, like, and especially if they're at like meet and greets or something, I'm like, Hey, you have like a huge head start. I didn't go to a show until I was like 13, you know, like yeah. I didn't have the kind of family who like, or an older brother or sister to like, show me the Ramones or anything when I was a kid, you know, like I found all everything that I loved as a kid, I found on my own music wise. Um, so if you have a parent who's like bringing you to shows, like even 
I saw I saw the Menzingers here uh, or up in L.A. Um, in December and like right on the barricade was like a dad and just two sons like the dad had the barricade like this and his two sons were just in there. I'm like, not only are they at this show, they're at the barricade. And those kids were singing every word. <laughs> and I was like, this is just where like our generation of bands are going. It's it's great. I mean, you do have to think of it in the sense of like uh our fathers and grandfathers whatever like were like passed down the stones it's like well if you grew up in the scene you got to pass down bayside or you got to pass down like like the the stuff that you listen to and and it's uh it's a different dynamic than it used to be but the, there's a huge similarity between like passing down like the, you know with the beatles and and the stones and stuff it's like you have to, you know, kind of pay it forward a little bit. And and I feel like families showing up is, is, is kind of partly that, which is great. I love it. I love it. Now I do want to talk about some of that nostalgia because you guys are playing when we were young again, but this time the whole dynamic of that festival is different where they're playing full. Everyone's playing full albums mm. and you guys are playing the self-titled album and that album even like I had to go back for some reason, it always is associated with wintertime. And I don't know if it's because it was like my freshman year at college and I went to SUNY Cortland and it was always winter there. So like literally whenever I think of that album and this, you know, like Montauk comes on or anything, I, I instantly go back to that place. That but then I looked and, and that album came out in August. I'm like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, i don't know I mean, why i have traveled le- i mean it could be things just traveled slowly back then you know like yeah like we would be obsessed with record sales and like first week and second week and then everything would just you know go down into a consistent spot um but yeah i mean it, 2004 is a way different or 2005 was a way different like music landscape like you might have not got it on the first day i'm not sure you know like uh or maybe it didn't like resonate with you until until you had memories of like it being winter and being Walking in school campus, and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. I feel like somebody had devotion and desire on like their MySpace profile. And that's how I found <laughs> yeah. it. It's like great. 2000. It had to have been, it probably was like around like fall 2005. And I was just like, Oh, what's this song? And I hit play and I was just like hooked from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's just like how it was back then. We weren't able to get like this like instant gratification feel like we have on social media. We just had to kind of like stumble upon music or somehow download the wrong band on you know, yeah. Napster. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one thing that our old record label Victory did, I mean, we still hear to this day that people found us on a sampler, you know, oh, like that's like such that. a I love yeah. those Victory record samplers. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the best the most they've ever do, they ever did for us. Because yeah. we still to this day, like I said, like I mean, a couple of weeks ago, someone was like, first time I heard you was on like the Taking Back Sunday sampler." I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, that worked back in the day." Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll never, I don't think, see that again. My car doesn't even have a yeah. CD player, so like, yeah. I don't even know where I would play it at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, people, the on demand listening and streaming, like, it's it has kind of, what's the term, like it's kind of sunsetted a lot of things that we grew up on, like mm-hmm. the radio and, and cause I I've had for the past couple of years and it's ending soon. I, I've done a radio show on Spotify and there, there is a crowd for it, but 
it like plateaued, you know, like people don't want to sit there for 45 minutes and have music dictated to them. But, but I think our generations kind of could sit there for 45 minutes and be like, ah, there's 10 songs that I've either never heard or I'm getting introduced to whatever it is. And I talked in between it as if it was a radio show. It wasn't like podcasty. Um, and, you know, like I said, I think that there was a good amount of people who liked it and they were of a certain age, but it never like took off. And I, I loved doing it. And the only reason I'm stopping it is because Spotify is stopping the actual. Um, do do you guys play music? I feel like I did. I talk to you at one point and you were talking about I, I playing was music. Doing, and, yeah, I was yeah. doing the radio show for a little bit, but mm -hmm. having multiple guests. Yeah. It was kind of if you would anchor because yeah, like, yeah. only certain people could use their microphones and stuff. So, yeah. We kind of stopped doing that, but I mm -hmm. thought it was a great idea. But yeah, they're getting rid I, of it, huh? Yeah, they 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 called the so they always called it music and talk, um, and they just in their email or, or like a press release or something. When last week they said it was experimental, I'm like, they never said it was experimental. They just clearly failed, and they're getting rid of it. So I'm like, well, I, I don't know anyone else who was. I know we talked about it briefly like a while ago, but like I don't know anyone else who used the music and talk format besides me. And if you like I've searched to see if like what music podcasts there were out there and I would go to ones that had like no streams just to see what the vibe was. And it was nothing like what I was doing. And it just wasn't it's just not how people want to listen like a certain kind of people like i know that there's there's radio shows on like apple that like mark hoppus does and stuff like that and they those people just have a higher profile so it's easy if you're already on apple streaming you're gonna probably have a couple of thousand people listening to you um yeah. but the, the the radio show was great i know that like it did its job where the people who are listening were finding of new finding out new bands but um I've had a good, you know, I'm 200 something episodes in and I'll, I'm going to end it. I think March 12th, I said, was going to be the last uh, day. They're, they're ending music and talk in June. But I was like, I don't want to have like a lame duck show. I'm just going to end it before I go on tour. So I don't have to like worry about doing it on tour. Yeah. Um, and I'll still like I have a little bit of a, a Patreon and Discord going with it. So I'll, I'm going to kind of see everyone who's been like a supporter. I'll kind of like see what they want to do because i could still obviously do something for them if they do want to find new music or hear what i'm listening to whatever so we'll see it's kind of i don't know people are like oh my god are you sad i'm like i don't know i i always constantly think forward so if like this format wasn't really crushing it for spotify and they're getting rid of it it's like what am i supposed to do i can't legally it was the only way i've ever been able to legally stream like make other people listen to music there's no legal way to do it they did it and they're taking it away already so uh, i think the other so yeah. downside that i didn't love about it was like it was great if you were a spotify user and had spotify premium but if you did not you would only get like a 15 to 30 second clip yeah yeah yeah, I had song. like no streams on that. You know, yeah. if it was just like an RSS feed or people were listening on Anchor, it's like it's like less than one percent of my streams were people. It's like, yeah, no one wants to hear thirty seconds of a song either. So. No. But <laughs> I feel like a lot of I, the I will... old heads would uh would kind of enjoy just like you talking to like Finch and Armor for Sleep about yeah. like what what they're listening to, or you yeah. know, a fighter who's like coming mm -hmm. up in the scene right now. Yeah, that was. So, I mean, now that it's kind of ending, I was just like, that's like 
to me was always going to be like phase two of the show if it got to a certain point yeah um because you know i was doing a couple hundred streams a, a week and i'm happy with that you know but then it just kind of was like oh it's literally the same amount of streams every week like there are a very specific amount of people <laughs> listening <laughs> so it wasn't really growing no matter what like promo yeah. i did and stuff like that but that always was phase two for me where i'm like i should have guests on i should like ask them what they're they're listening to but i kind of wanted it to get to a certain point before i did yeah. that and it just never did and now now it's going away. Well, I do have to give a quick shout out to my buddy Kevin, who listens, I think, every single episode, like has listened to every single episode. <laughs> and before you went on the Koyo Avalanche tour, like you pumped Koyo a little bit on your radio show. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and he was like, dude, you got to check out this Long Island band. I was like, what? There's bands killing it on Long Island? Like they're yeah, not yeah. doing that anymore. Yeah. And sure enough i was i fell instantly in love with yeah. koyo and yeah. haven't looked back but that was because of the radio show yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it's like i said small sample size it did its job you know even yeah. if like one person who listened consistently found one new band that they like it's like i i always approached um like uh recommending music to people not in like here's what the kids are doing you know like here's what you should be listening to but it's more like before you know it we're we're in the cycle of what our parents you know are the generation or two before us where it's like classic rock i'm only going to listen to what i listened to when i was 15 or 20 because like that's the last time i discovered music that meant something to me and it's like well you know what there's still so much music out there that you that will mean something to you. It's you're you're the one that's different now. You have to put in more time. You have to like read lyrics. You have to go to a show and see if you feel anything. Like you can't. Same thing with like even like Star Wars movies and stuff. I'm like, yeah. you cannot watch a new Star Wars movie and be like, well, I didn't feel like I was seven years old anymore. I'm like, well, guess what? You're not. So like <laughs> you have to listen and and you have to like grow in the way you listen and and hope that things uh, kind of give you a good feeling in a different way. Not a feeling like, oh, I feel like a kid again, because that's why you listen to Rancid. You want to feel like a kid again. Now yeah. if you, you should be able to find new music that makes you feel good to be an adult, you know, like it. And it's difficult. People can't really put in the time like we've talked about. So that's where like me recommending music or doing a radio show or whatever, like really that was my goal for it all is to to you know talk about oh you like that band guess what they're they're going on tour right now so maybe you could actually go see them you know it's like you wound up liking koyo guess what they're on bayside show uh tour same thing with winona fighter you know i've played them two or three times i'm like well i did that on purpose because i knew I, i've known winona fighter was opening our tour for like 11 months so i'm like yeah. i'm gonna start playing them <laughs> Well, it's funny too, like yeah. you bring up the the like this the Star Wars like situation too. It's just so much like people want what they grew up on, and sometimes they don't want that character development. Sometimes they don't want that next phase, and sometimes you just got to be like, hey, the stuff that I love growing up with is also gonna grow up. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's this you know it's it's hard to swallow, and it's like not even my favorite phrase but like not everything is made for you you know like like a new star wars isn't necessarily made to like make a 50 year old person happy yeah. you know it, it's made for a generation to discover star wars you know and like the same thing with 
you know, I, you could look at it in a Bayside sense or, um, you know, any band that's still putting out records. It's like, I would love for someone to hear Castaway right now and be like, I don't know who this band is. And now they have eight records to go listen to, you know, yeah. like that's, that's, that's exciting to me. Amen. That, and I think that could definitely happen with the new, you know, Spotify world that we live in. Right. And you mentioned these playlists and things like that. Like there is a, a strong possibility that a 18 year old kid can be listening to one of these playlists and discover Bayside for the first time now. Yeah, and hopefully. that's cool. Yeah. But you, you did mention that the classic rock radio and I have been fantasizing about like a radio station that only plays like early 2000s and pop punk music for the longest time. And I just, I I can't wait to the day that that happens. Is that not a satellite thing? Like Mikey's very specific about it though. He wants everything like pre 2006. (laughs) Yeah. So if it came out after December 31st, 2006, we don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I mean, we dabble, you know, whether it's emo night or like our star Wars podcast has our own star Wars themed emo night. It's like emo night has always been like, I love it. It's basically just club night for like our genre of music. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, I, it's very specific about what you could play. People are like, what? It's emo night and you can play the get up kids. I'm like, if you want to kill the party, play the get up kids. Like <laughs> 10% of the people here are going to know it. I don't even like playing Bayside because it's like, we're not party music. And our popular songs were nowhere near as popular as Paramore and My Chem and Fall Out Boy's popular songs. So it's like, that goes back to this thing of like, what do you mean? No, devotion and desire is huge. I'm like, bigger than misery business like bigger <laughs> than black parade like you're crazy it's not <laughs> so like i don't i don't even like playing any bayside songs when we do emo nights because i'm like listen we have a party going here i don't want to like awkwardly stand on stage while 20 percent of the people know devotion and desire <laughs> i've done it well, it sucks <laughs> i would have been one of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i do want to talk ab- about you know just all the other projects that you're involved in Mm because you're a busy man. But before I do that, I do want to let everyone know about our sponsor. I'm going to read it off my phone. So bear with me. So we know hockey games move fast, but DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you could score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So as you mentioned, the stadium series is this weekend. Perfect game to throw down some money on the Durs. So call uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with promo code THPN. New customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www gambler dot net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. See DraftKings.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. 
So you you mentioned Mosh Eisley, which is your Star Wars themed you yeah, know, night. Yeah. And I was talking to that same friend Kevin, and I was like, yo, give me, give me like the rundown of this, because I'm admittedly not a Star Wars guy. And I'm like, how is this like a Star Wars emo night? Like, I don't know how those two worlds like mix. And he was telling me like it originated like there was a Star Wars Comic Con kind of thing a couple of years ago, and then you did one of these kind of emo night star wars nights at the same time in the same city is that true yeah i mean it goes a little further back than that so 2019 so there is comic-con that everyone knows but star wars specifically has their own convention called celebration that happens every couple years so 2019 it was in chicago and um my buddy asked me if i wanted to go dj like an emo night but like not necessarily like a performative emo night more like the beauty bar just has emo and punk on that night and people are chilling like it's not very performative yeah. um so i did that on the sunday night of star wars celebration in chicago and my other friends who back then had a youtube channel called black series rebels um were they their big thing was giving or selling pins enamel pins and stuff like that and they had an exclusive one that they wanted to to sell at this emo night thing so that night probably i'd say like between 80 and 100 people showed up on like a snowy sunday night and i'm like there's some like star wars emo crossover here you know like there's some some people here having fun so i didn't think anything of it you know fast forward a couple of years and uh me and adam from story of the year and ryan from yellow card we have our own star wars podcast called thank the maker um and we had we've got a good little following going we work with a couple of other podcasts and have a network all that stuff um and star wars celebration was going to be here like a, a town over in anaheim and i was like we should do something you know like we really should do this idea um you know, I was like, if I could get like about 100 people on a snowy Sunday night, like I feel like a Friday or Saturday night in beautiful Southern California, we could probably get a couple hundred people. Yeah. Um, so we did like Chain Reaction out here, which is like, you know, legendary, like the CBGBs of, of Southern California kind of thing. Uh, and we sold it out in 10 days. It was like 450, 500 tickets or something like that. Um, and at this point, we've done five or six of them since 20. Uh, the first one was 2022 i want to say um so in the last year and a half two years or so we've done five of them we just did our biggest one in orlando mm -hmm. um and yeah it's been great i mean it's just really like the venn diagram of like emo and star wars coming together and it, it's fun i mean conventions and comic cons usually have like some sort of nighttime after party sort of thing and uh i don't know we've kind of come onto the scene and and like kind of disrupted the official uh like after parties because ours are doing well so it's great where i'm going on a stream directly after this to announce our next two um so nice. so we're, we're busy it's great it's it's really really fun as an event but it's also really really like fun as a person to know i talk about this with ryan and adam from the podcast because they're in successful bands and it's like isn't it really crazy in our like 40s we like kind of created this new like this another way for people to congregate and have fun like it's really not an easy thing to do 
And I think it's like it's cool to see, like especially with like the resurgence of Star Wars into pop culture over the last few years, it's like the Mandalorian being at the helm of, you know, this kind of like push for everything that you start seeing more and more people who are becoming fans of the movie series, but they also have that crossover of I'm a yellow card fan, I'm a Bayside fan, I'm a Story of the Year fan, and now I'm in love with you know this tiny Grogu. And I want to find out what's going on. And he yeah, just yeah. mix both worlds together with the podcast and Mosh Isley. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, we had people in Orlando who were like, I don't even know what this kind of music is, but like my friends brought me here and it was a lot of fun. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's just another, like people go to, con- like people spend so much time on their outfits and their cosplay and stuff to, to go to conventions, to meet people, to get compliments, to take photos. And we've just kind of given them another, like an, an extension of that. It's like, oh, you like we have people who come to our event yes they cosplay as like characters but a majority of people make these like emo and punk crossover outfits like star wars crossover outfits so it's become this whole other thing where people are really for weeks and months before our event putting together their outfits and like debuting them and and like and it's it's been great it's definitely been a lot of fun and uh and it's it's like a business we meet like us and the other podcasts we meet like every monday night for an hour or so on zoom to like plan things you know like we do everything on our own and we're still like just making sure that the event goes off like without a hitch which is like hard um so yeah we're taking it very seriously because people like it so much so i'm like if this sample size again is like going this well this this early because I, like i said i think we've only done five total i'm like we should take this seriously because this could be like a a, a pretty uh a, a fun thing for our future now is the common thread that it always kind of connects to the star wars convention that's going on because are there that many conventions that happen yearly yeah i think conventions in general are so there's only one star wars specific one and that's not even every year um but uh, almost every major city and i mean even non-major cities have some sort of comic-con at this point because Mm -hmm. just that culture is a multi-billion dollar business at this point so um yeah we 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 plan them around conventions just because we know that there's going to be an influx of people in that city um kind of activated to be a nerd and i feel like this because you guys came down for megacon that just recently happened in orlando and that one was special because you had hayden christensen and ewan mcgregor there so you had literally anakin skywalker and you know obi-wan kenobi yeah yeah it's so cool and people flew in for that to go (laughs) and be able just to meet them and everything so it was kind of like a like a perfect crossover yeah ever since they did the kenobi series they've they've done a couple of conventions together and it's been uh there actually was a really good clip if no one uh if anyone's interested to see it i think he was after megacon ewan mcgregor was on the jimmy kimmel show and uh he was just like glowing about meeting fans and it just seemed yeah. like so genuine and like i i think all those prequel actors and stuff were really kind of like really bummed on the reception back then and now they're seeing like that George Lucas was right because George Lucas back then was like, don't worry, these kids are going to love it. You know, like yeah. the people who hated it back then were the grumpy people who liked the original trilogy and they were like, this new stuff doesn't <laughs> doesn't fly with me. But 
the kids loved it, you know, and those kids are now older and they're the ones, they're like this generation of, of Star Wars fans that have been like, they're really getting like the fruits of their labor at this point because they, you know, Obi-Wan and, and Anakin have been back for a couple of years with the, with that show. And they're doing a lot of, uh, um, uh, like MegaCon and stuff like that. And then Anakin yeah. wound up in the Ahsoka show and like the Ahsoka ex show exists because of the generation of Star Wars fans that like the Clone Wars, you know, yep. it's like not everything, even though it says Star Wars or Bayside or whatever, like not everything's made specifically for like you and you have to either work hard to <laughs> like it and understand it more or, you know, don't complain. <laughs> we'll start there. Don't complain. And, I, and I, I don't want to turn this into a Star Wars podcast because I easily can. But uh, especially like like seeing someone like Hayden Christensen, who like people like especially the older generation really just did not like him. And really, he had the shit end of the stick and seeing him come about and even just having him in Ahsoka. Like I when I heard his voice, I teared up. I was like, yeah, no way. <laughs> and a, um, lot a lot to handle. It's just awesome. That's that that you guys were able to kind of like bring this, you know, this weird crossover of literally just kind of like underground mm -hmm. fans. Cause even star Wars in some aspects is still very underground. We get into yeah, yeah. all of it and it's just, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like a really cool thing to be able to experience. Yeah. I mean, I think that in a way, you know, like just like anything else on the internet, like negativity gets clicks and you know, like there's so much negativity in, in the star Wars community on social media. So mm -hmm. it does feel really good to be like, cool, man. Like, go on instagram or twitter or whatever and, and talk shit all you want like we're selling tickets to to fans who want to enjoy it you know like yeah. they want to celebrate beyond beyond the movie or the show that you're watching on tv like there's a community here you know and like that's that's fully supportive of beyond a television show you know or a movie it's like buying merchandise partying like having star wars be like an a positive influence in your life like ultimately like everything you like should have a positive influence in your life whether it's hockey or music or anything like you should feel better about it you know like sports is a, a weird one because like you just have a lot of hope involved yeah <laughs> but generally you know like wow my team won i feel great you know like and when your team sucks it's like <laughs> i feel terrible but uh you know in general you like things to feel a certain way so i, I just i don't necessarily it's just the the <laughs> name of the game these days to like not like something and then go complain about it on social media wow. and the way all that stuff is set up it's like that stuff gets more clicks than positivity which it's sucks, unfortunate, but, <laughs> yeah. but I do like that we have like boots on the ground, like positive community behind us. Like, no, they're showing up. They're coming to a convention, and then when the convention's over, they're coming to a party. You know, like yeah. there's 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 a good sense of community. Now, like with that first one, I guess it's a little bit different because I'm sure you had a pretty positive relationship with the chain re chain reaction. Like, I I would imagine that the venue when you went to him was like, yeah. This makes yeah, sense. Definitely. But like when you went to say Orlando, that maybe isn't a market that was too familiar. Were, were, was anyone like doubting that this would work? Uh, no, Orlando seemed easier. You know, what's funny is New York was the tough one because I forget that New York is like not even 
uh, in our solar system. It's like in another galaxy. Like New York is like the most peculiar place. Like being so far removed from it, like I've lived in California for eight years or seven years or something now. Like going back to New York, like I think it got a little crazier post-pandemic. Plus, like I just haven't been there for a while. So it just seems extra wild to me. But like we did a Mosh Eisley on a Saturday night, I want to say, um, during New York Comic Con. And like immediately it was tough to sell tickets because it was like, well, this is like the biggest city in the world. And this is one of the biggest conventions. Why are why like we couldn't figure out why it was hard to move tickets? And we were like, because there's one million other things for people to do. You know, like when you're in Orlando or or even out here or whatever, it's like there's stuff to do. But like if people are traveling to a convention, they, they're not going out in town, you know, like they're not going out into Orlando. They're looking for more Comic-Con like related events to do. So New York was just like its own beast. And I think we'll hopefully go back maybe when like we're a bigger deal. Um, that one was the toughest one to move tickets. But Orlando in itself there's a lot of good like megacon is a big convention um i think because there's disney parks there that really helps us like yep. um you know being out here the star wars community is just more plentiful because of galaxy's edge and stuff like that um and then one of our sponsors um of the podcast uh they're called roosevelt's they're they're uh um, they do like pop culture, uh, apparel, uh, they're out of Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, they had a pretty, they have a pretty strong, like a stronghold in Orlando. They have a lot of like fan, uh, fan base down there. So, um, I, I know that they helped us, uh, sell a good amount of tickets too. So, yeah, I think just in general, like the Disney thing really, really does help us. Hell yeah. So cool. Like I, and I, I mentioned I'm not a star Wars fan. But if I was and I was going to a convention like like that, that that just makes sense, right? Yeah, like a, it's, it's a party after. And I've, I've still never gone to an emo night other than the <laughs> one that we organized in Orlando. Like yeah, I, yeah. I have never been to one. And I feel like I'm the, the target demographic. But yet, yeah, life sometimes is a little hard to, to get out, to go out, yeah. you know, one or two in the morning or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you kind of just have to have like the right expectations with it. It is club night, you know? Yeah. It's, it's music that you're you're going to know it all. It's going to be all the hits from that era. And it's the energy of the room. It's people singing along or, you know, meeting people or whatever it is. It's, it's really... Uh, it's it's an interesting thing that I think people need to um, give a little bit more credit to kind of revitalizing. You know, it's been around for a solid 10 years now, and it really kind of gave a, a good boost to a lot of bands to be like, oh, this song is getting popular, it's getting, or it's getting popular again, or maybe we're starting to hear it uh, used on social media and all this stuff. So I think there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of positivity that came out of Emo Night. At the first, when it first came out, a lot of us were just like, this sounds so lame. But like, you kind of can't, like, that's your initial like knee jerk reaction, but then you see people enjoying it and you're yeah. like, what's the harm here? You know, like really what's the harm? This is... I, I, the the thing that could kind of like you could get a little salty about is like 
you have like a thousand or so people at like a really good emo night, maybe even more singing a song and they would never like go see the band, you know, like that's, <laughs> that could be a little, a little weird where you're like, Oh yeah, everyone knows this song from 2007. But if this band was playing here tomorrow, there would be less people than at emo night, you know, like that, that, that aspect of it kind of sucks. Yeah. But, uh, but in general, I think it's just another, like, I don't know, like for me, being happy means being in a room of a bunch of people who like have a common thing. You know, that's why I love being on stage. I love being at, at sporting events, wrestling conventions. It's like nothing feels better to me than like feeling the energy of people who are like having fun over like a common thing. Amen. And and truthfully, AHL teams are now even having emo nights. Yeah. 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 I saw, maybe it was the Ontario rain had one or, or I think so. one of the, one of the California teams had one. And I was like, that's even cool. Like it's making it even f into like mainstream. Yeah. And that's cool. Well, it's, it's like marketable, you know, like when people are like, what is emo night? And then they hear my camera Paramore. They're like, Oh, that's emo. You know, like they, it was, <laughs> to them, it was just popular music in 2005 or six, yeah. you know, um, or rock music, whatever it was. But, uh, you know, the emo night thing is it's marketing. It's yeah. just straight up marketing, which is, it's, you know, that speaks volumes. Well, and I think my favorite thing about emo night too is like you'll see it like very like very so often, but you'll see someone kind of like put their phone up because they're shazamming whatever is being played because they're like I've never listened to this before, and then they're becoming new fans of these bands who, you know, might not have been touring a couple years ago. Yellow Card being one of them, and now they're selling out stadiums. We had a uh, Ryan Mendez on, and he was just like, it blows my mind. Like we did a final tour, we couldn't pack out a room. And we come back, you know, a couple years later and people are losing their minds. Yeah, it's it's, emo night. I mean, they're there. Yeah, I mean, it is. I know Ryan Singer did a lot of emo night Brooklyn events. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, have it like that. Their record is undeniably one of the biggest of our genre back then. And, and now that I think last year is 20 years old, it's like it meant a lot to people like you don't get to do amphitheaters and stuff like that without selling a million records 20 years ago, you know, yeah. and it's like everything in between maybe fell a little flat because you have to think when you're doing like you're selling a million records and you're I think they want a VMA or something. You yeah. are pop music at that point and pop music isn't like going to be the, it's not going to um, breed the most like um, dedicated fans, you know, yeah. it's pop. It's music. Ever changing so, platform. so maybe after uh, selling a million records immediately half of them are gone you know it's like next record half of them are just gone um so i you know i, I can really only speak as an outside perspective about like yeah. uh you know their their career in general but the fact that they're in that cycle of of uh that ocean avenue you know record it's it means a lot to people so a lot of those people who bought it in 20 years ago came back and it's like yeah well now you're in amphitheaters it's great amen now before we let you go nick i do want to talk about the tour that you're leaving in, in march on um because you, you got some nostalgic bands playing but then as, as justin mentioned you got winona fighter fighter but armor for sleep and finch like that that's that's my jam like that <laughs> yeah unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately the tour is only going to it's not coming to charlotte yeah. but like I, I i saw that that lineup and i was like holy crap this has <laughs> it like this is it and yeah to, to see kind of finch being active again and then armor for sleep being active again because they they took time off um 
it is cool to see that they're doing a nice long run. And did you get, I believe you did tour with armor for sleep back in the day. Did you also tour with Finch? Uh, Finch, not in my Bayside lifetime and armor actually also, I want to say armor was on the tour previous to when I joined Bayside. I think armor was one of the bands, the tour that like the, old bass player and drummer of Bayside quit on was, I want to say it was Fallout Boy and Armor for Sleep and Bayside. Um, and that tour ended and I was working with Anthony at the time at Urban Outfitters and he was like, my bass player quit. Do you want to join a band? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, so that's that story. But yeah, I've never actually toured with either of them. And I think if there were any shows that were played together with finch i definitely besides festivals which is not really I, don't, I wouldn't really count that like i don't think that we've played a club show i know we haven't played a club show with finch since i've been in the band and i've been in the band since 2004 um same goes for armor though i think they did one or two tours together but it was all before i was in the band i just want to talk about how crazy that entire phrase was was they were on tour with fallout boy and armor for sleep <laughs> Yeah. And then Anthony and I were working at Urban Outfitters <laughs> and he asked me if I wanted to play bass on an upcoming tour. That yeah, entire yeah. phrase is just <laughs> that just screams the early 2000s. I know it's so funny. <laughs> well, it's like me, me and Anthony had a common friend. Her name was Heather. And like I've been in bands since I was 17. Like yeah. I, I was in movie life and then silent majority. And from like 17 to 21, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And then uh silent majority broke up in really early 2001 i want to say and i was like a bitter kid i was a bitter like 20 21 year old kid and i was like i don't want to play music anymore i'm just gonna work you know and i knew i didn't want to go to school because it just felt like a scam to me like how much money do i have to pay to go to school like i'm not doing this um so like i was just like i'm just gonna work you know and i just kind of bounced around some mall jobs as like making okay money for someone who's 20 or 21 you know yeah um i really did actually like my job at urban outfitters i don't know what it's like now but back then it was the one in roosevelt field mall so it was like quite possibly the first urban outfitters that was in a mall back then um and i loved it it was great paid well and but my friend heather was like hey i know you would understand this dude's life because he goes on tour a lot like could you get him job for when he's home and yeah he worked a couple of shifts and at that time i had i had started to play music again um and uh yeah i kind of had the itch and it's funny when i think back to my thought process when i was 24 and had the opportunity to join bayside a, a actual train of thought that i had was like i'm getting old this might be my last chance to be in a band <laughs> you know <laughs> it's so yeah. funny to think that right now where i was like yeah i'm 24 it's probably my last shot <laughs> um but yeah it's all it's been a lot of work a lot of good stuff it's 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 been a it's crazy because i'm starting to say things like i'm talking to friends i'm like i haven't worked in 20 years i'm like <laughs> they're like what do you mean you were like you work so hard doing like everything you do i'm like no i mean i haven't had like a nine to five job in 20 years like who could say that that's insane yeah it's an insane statement <laughs> <laughs> and at this point you might never yeah i mean that's my goal now that's the goal yeah well i i another thing that i joke about i'm like my retirement plan is to just go work at disneyland or target you know like when i when i no longer physically like we're touring or whatever i'm like i think that's when i'll go back to working i'll join the workforce then hey i i, I, I would at disneyland when yeah I'm disneyland sounds perfect <laughs> 
Yeah, way better than Disney World because it's not <laughs> as hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Humid. So, yeah. Ugh. so definitely check to see if that killer tour is coming through your city because it's it's a solid like month and a half run that mm-hmm. they're going yeah, out with yeah. Armor and Finch and Winona Fighter. Um, was Winona Fighter a band that you kind of came across on your radio show or is that kind of um, one that fell in your lap and you're like this band is sick? they're from nashville and like anthony and jack um live in nashville so i feel like it came up through i, I want to say maybe anthony maybe saw them and was like hey we should check out this band and and i think for the last we've done really well for a while with it you know we're kind of like towing the lines of like we feel like we need to bring like Hawthorne Heights on tour or Senses Fail or Finch like to have some like old school camaraderie but we really do make sure that our opener is like a band we like and um a younger band that needs exposure you know like when we were coming up we never got any big tours we we literally were always just like a headline we became a headlining band because we couldn't get big tours so it's like really a, a point of ours to like kind of extend that like olive branch of like, Hey, we think this band is awesome. And, you know, come open up our show and like, yeah, there might be 2000 people there when we play, there'll probably only be like 800 there when you play. Cause you're opening, but like, that's going to help you, you know? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, our fans like, Koyo did so great on our tour, you know, and like that made me feel so happy. But um, yeah, we are opening one or two slots on our tour usually are a band that we're just like, this is a new band that like our fans will like. And hopefully this gets them, you know, uh, you know, steady well, that, tours from that that's point what on. I was, that's what I was going to say. Like you guys, like it was a slam dunk with Koyo, right? Because you got to figure your fans are in their mid to late thirties, right? Not really able to discover music that, you know, frequently, but that is a band that a dude in their mid thirties would absolutely love. Yeah, they definitely. Run, run adjacent with, you know, all the music that we love. So slam dunks, but yeah. either way, Nick, man, I truly, truly am going to have some serious FOMO not being able to, to catch that <laughs> tour, but I'm sorry. I'll send you. Yeah. Mikey. They're playing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're playing Orlando. You yeah. <laughs> Thankfully we haven't played Orlando since 2021. Our last mm-hmm. tour didn't make it uh, down to the Southeast. So I'm, I'm happy to be back. And it means I could go to, I've become like a, since September, like a weird Epcot fan. Like yeah. I, I'm like, I have Disneyland out here. So like Epcot is this like magical place where you could like drink a bunch. And that guardians of the galaxy ride is, I think, I'm confident. I could confidently say that's the best ride that Disney has. It's that's the best so ride Disney has, hands yeah. down. Which it's is crazy because I would with the land. I would just say like Rise of the Resistance was the best it, no. ride, and now I think it's Guardians. That ride it's is Guardians. pure joy. It's amazing. Hell yeah! Well, Nick, man, it's always a blast catching up with you. And uh, yeah, thank you. You know, all your projects and everything are just killer, and the tour is going to be killer. So. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this stadium series game plays out, but obviously yeah. the Islanders, uh, am I, um, for my sake to get on a little bit of streak, that's, they haven't gone on one this whole season they yeah. need a streak and, uh, hopefully we can have some playoff hockey to talk about. Yeah. But. I mean, 
I would lo- I would sign me up for a Rangers Islander series these days. That'd God, be great. Oh, I would love it. <laughs> but Nick, thanks again, and we'll keep in touch. See ya. Thank you, man. See you guys.